This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hey everyone, want to have some real talk with you. Are you loving these beautiful stories? If so, it would mean so much to me if you'd hop out over to my Patreon page and subscribe. For as little as $2 per month, you receive extra cool rewards, such as access to the Pi series, which is getting pretty amazing, I might add, and guest hosting, which sounds amazing as well. And a special shout out to the latest Patreon supporters, who are so awesome, Mike Kiffel, Paul McIntosh, and Tanner Lolly. Thank you guys for jumping in and helping the show. If you'd like to join, just go to patreon.com forward slash glistening particles. All right, everyone. In this episode, I'm talking with Jenny Hauser. She is the author behind the Raising Girls blog and also um, a co-host on a podcast that we'll introduce as we go through the show. So I'm going to keep hanging on that. I found Jenny just sort of accidentally, and I started reading her words on her blog and It was that kind of thing where it's the instant soul connection, and I had to reach out to her. She's got a really cool story of how she continues to bring creativity into her life and make it part of who she is. Here's Jenny. Hey, listeners. Today I have with me Jenny Hauser, who is a blogger, a mom, a podcaster, and lives in Golden, Colorado. And we're going to talk about all these things it's like to be a woman in the world today and follow our passions. So hey, Jenny. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to have you here. We've been trying to get scheduled for a while now. And you know how it is when you're a mom, right? Things just come up and you have to keep moving it around. I was so glad that you were so understanding because I think I did it to you more than you did it to me, I think, is how that went. We're about equal. (laughs) (laughs) But it's what's cool about the world, right? We all understand what it's like to be raising these kids and, you know, flexibility is what it's all about. Yes, it is. That's for sure. So I found you, I'm not even sure how I stumbled upon you, if it was through Instagram initially or what, but I went out to your blog, RaisingGirls.com, and started reading your words. And like I told you when we got on the call, they just crawled in my heart. Like your your writing style is so authentic and beautiful. And um, anyone who's experiencing some of the same things we are right now, raising boys, being a mom, wanting to share our creativity, cooking, all the things we do, definitely should check out what you're doing because it's amazing. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. How did you start the blog? Like, What made you go to that avenue, that venue, to express um, yourself? Well, my sons are 12, 8, and 3 and a half. And when my oldest son was in kindergarten, I want to say, um, you know, I was making him these little lunches. Mm-hmm. And they were so cute. I mean... <laughs> I say that these are the standards 
like eight years ago, pre Pinterest. So uh-huh. now <laughs> my lunches would look like, you know, a dumpster fire compared to what you see. But <laughs> I was making these little lunches. And so every morning I would just take a picture and then other kids would ask about his lunch or mm. other moms, you know, just for ideas. And right. so I thought, oh, I'll just create like a little space and share some of my writing stuff because back then I was a full-time um, working mom too. Mm-hmm. And so I just had this little space and, you know, there was no pressure on it. It was just a nice little outlet that I had. And then I had my second son, you know how it goes, mm-hmm. my other son was like, I'm not, you need to send me more lunch. I kind of switched from like, you know, an aesthetically pleasing arrangement to more just volume. Like he just needed more volume. Mm -hmm. And so the lunches weren't so cute anymore. And so I really started to focus more on writing about parenting, writing about what my experience was like. And I think that's around the time that, I don't know, I just started to have some different thoughts about what it, was like to be a quote unquote mom blogger. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Instagram became a bigger thing. um, I was talking to my oldest son and I took a picture of him doing something really funny. And then I had my phone and I was doing something on my phone. And he said, who are you sending that picture to? Uh I think he thought I was sending it to his dad or whatever. And I said, Oh, I'm putting it on Instagram. And he said, well, what's that? Uh I explained what it was. And he said, well, who, who, who can see that? That picture is really embarrassing. And I said, well, anybody can see. <laughs> and his reaction was, he was really horrified by it. Wow. And he was kind of upset. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like, why would you share this picture of me? It's so embarrassing. I don't want people to see that. Right. And that really coincided with sort of how I had been feeling about what's okay to share. Mm-hmm. What, you know, some people navigate it in a way that's really genuine. It feels really comfortable to them. They share these things. They even you know, make a business out of it, make a, like a great income mm-hmm. out of sharing it. And it feels fine. And it just felt to me, I couldn't think of a way to do it, to share what was happening in the moment, every day, videos of my kids mm-hmm. that I felt like I could justify to them. Right. That it didn't infringe on their privacy to some, in some aspect. Exactly. And then, you know, you have older kids Mm -hmm. um, as they get older and you want to model good behavior on Mm -hmm. social media and not being on your phone all the time. That's a tough one. I know. So how do you do that? And so I think when that experience happened, it really made me take a big step back in a really big way because I thought it can't just be a food. I can't just be a food writer because I don't have it in me to (laughs) (laughs) just that. And I do love writing. Um, I love writing about parenting, but I really had to sit with it for quite mm-hmm. a while. And then I think um, the big tipping point for me was just after the election happened. And I really felt like I wanted to create a space to just talk about you know, what it was like to be a, a woman today, but not just a mom. Um, you know, I really wanted to represent a lot of things that just women go through and talk about all the things that I love, mm-hmm. art, music, um, you know, cooking, all the things you listed earlier. Those are really what all of my passions are. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, let's just give that a go and see if that feels 
more comfortable. And it really does. It feels much more comfortable to me. So I think it's a really important for us, especially as women, to put out good things in the world right now, to focus on the beautiful things that we're creating and try to stay away from the hate and the, you know, just the the churn, you know what I mean? The negative churn. So I love that you're doing that, that you're going, hey, I'm still here doing these things. I'm still creating beautiful food, examining my life, trying to be a great parent. And do you find that all those things make you become a better woman, mom, parent, creator? Yeah. And years ago, I read somewhere someone had said, um, I forget what the context was, but I'm better for being watched, you know, like Ah. she kids somewhere and there was an elderly woman that saw them and was smiling at them and it really made the mom she'd been frustrated about some minor thing and just having that per just seeing that person's face it just it really does sort of mirror back to you this is a gift and it really allows you to meditate I think in a way on things that are going on and process them and really soften when difficult, when difficult things are happening, I think it's a great outlet. Mm-hmm. I think you use the right word there, especially as soften. I, I say this as a woman today, but I feel like I'm, I've got so many demands on me, you know, between parenting and working and taking care of the house. And, um, and I, I choose to focus on fitness. I make that a priority because I, I know I didn't for a long time. I'm still trying to turn all that around. And I also want to I know that if I don't have a creative outlet, I'm useless. If I don't do that, I'm useless to everybody. But what happens is there's so many things that sometimes I just get rigid or or tense, and then I forget to soften. And whenever I reflect back, you're right, that's when I soften back into, wait, are, these are all things that I love. These are all things that I'm choosing. I can choose not to do that thing, but I love doing that thing. So those are exactly. really good words. You know, um, I remember a long time ago before I had kids, I was at a party and this little girl was about four, four or five, and she kept coming out to all the guests at this, you know, family, a bunch of different um, friends and families. And um, she was like pretending to be serving. And she was just like Shirley Temple adorable, like all these ringlets of hair and so adorable and so clever. And I just was delighted. And, you know, and this was before I had kids, I was wanting kids and just delighted by her. And I remember saying to her mom, like, oh my gosh, she must just enjoy her so much. She said, I just wish she would stop talking. Like she drives, I don't even understand what you're talking. Like she just was totally putting down the beauty because you get so close to it in the churn that you forget. So that's always my reminder when I get that way, even with my own sons, I'm like, okay, step back. When I start getting like not appreciating who they are and feeling that, you know, like I'm, they're in my space or whatever. It's like, wait, remember, remember that moment. I don't ever want to be that, you know? I know. Well, and you know, my oldest son is 12. My youngest is three and a half. And so I love their, I think their age spacing is the right thing for Mm -hmm. our family, but it is so challenging sometimes because you're like, let's sit down and watch a movie. And Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) like (laughs) there's no real middle ground between a three-year-old and a 12-year-old. It's really hard to navigate, but what I really tried to embrace is that I do have this three and a half year old that I mean, from the minute he gets up to the minute he goes to bed, it is like a running narrative. (laughs) And so, you know, I, there are times when I'm like, that's a lot for me right now, but you're right. I don't want to 
like, oh, girl, you know, would he just be quiet? I don't want to do that. So oftentimes I'll say, I'm going to go hang out with Flynn, my older son, who's 12 and is, you know, slowly becoming a man of fewer words. <laughs> <laughs> totally get that. And it's, it's really been great to have that, that balance of, you know, that, and then, and then I get to leave that, that kind of tweenness of, what do you want to do today? I don't know, you know, like that whole thing. And then I get to go back to someone who just wants to, he greets you at the door like a puppy and, you know, mommy, mommy. And then I did this, then I did this, and then I (laughs) ate this. And so it is, it's really fun to get to live in both worlds. Right. And you have one in the middle too, right? Do yeah, Jonah. So uh-huh. Jonah is eight. Okay, and it's you can vouch for this too. I mean, I have boys, and they all have a lot of common interests, like mm-hmm. sports and uh, different things that they're into. But so different, such totally different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it really is sometimes what people say is true. You know, how can you grow up in the same house with the same parents? and be so vastly, vastly different, but it's just true. They are. I know. Like I look at my my own siblings. I mean, if I really stopped and looked at it, I think we are, we do have a lot of differences for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure as we were growing up, when we were forming our personalities and who we were going to be, there was even, it was even more diverse. But yeah, yeah, my two boys are so incredibly different. It's like having to start parenting all over again. Like everything I learned with the first one, it just doesn't even apply to the second one. <laughs> and we have a lot of talks about that um, because we're getting to the age where hypocrisy is a big <laughs> word that gets thrown around, you know, that someone doesn't have the same rules or mm-hmm. it's, so I really try very hard to spend time explaining their differences to each other. And I think one thing that we forget uh-huh. is that as much as kids can be a mystery to parents, Adults are a mystery to kids, you know, like kids don't understand why we make the decisions that we make. Some things that seem so cut and dry and so easy to, to them, like, well, why would you, why wouldn't you just do this? They don't understand. Right. And so I try without overwhelming them to not be a mystery. And so, you know, when one kid says, well, I don't understand why he gets to, to go here or stay up late tonight, I really try to explain you know, you are someone who gets up at six o'clock in the morning, no matter what. Right. You have a really big week coming up. So you need to go to bed on time. He can sleep at, you know, I really, right. it doesn't always work, but I really just want to plant that seed in them. Like you are getting a personalized spa experience <laughs> <laughs> and it is intentional. And there is generally some uh-huh. thought behind it and why we do what we do for each of you. Right. And it's because we see you as you are and for who you are. And we appreciate that and we respect it and we want you to be your best. And that looks different for, you know, it just, it looks very different for everybody. And it That's is. Tot- I totally, we're struggling with that here. Um, even though my older son has moved out, you know, he's an adult on his, sort of on his own now. Yeah. Uh, there's still this constant like um, friction, you know, between the way that I r- respond to either of them without going into too many details. But I totally get what you're saying. And I have a friend who her policy, her philosophy, all raising her girls was everyone, they both get the same all the time. Everything is, you know, 
they have the same bedtime, they have the same get up time, they have the same at Christmas, they each get this much, you know, the same amount. When they go to college, they get this much, the same thing. And mm-hmm. she's like, fair, 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 fair. They're like, it's like the same package of, of parenting for the most part. And I don't think that would ever have worked for my two boys because they're so different. In that, but yeah, I yeah, it would never have worked. But yet at the same time, then they don't understand it. Like the example you gave of like they don't understand us. My son just brought this up last night. You know, he's he holds a bitterness about me going back to work full time when he was uh, in middle school, and there he doesn't understand that there were financial reasons that we did that. And yeah. there was uh, there was other things going on in the world besides his life, you know, that were going on that affected our um, financial situation. And I had to go back full time. And so he still thinks I just did it because I wanted to work more. And that took away from his time. Like I tried to explain it to him now at 16, you know, uh, his brain a little more matured to help yeah. him understand that because, of course, I wouldn't work more to be away from the kids. You know what I mean? No. But do you think he can understand that better now at 16? I think he did. I think he never added up before that it that there was some reason other than I just wanted to be at work more because I do yeah. work a lot, unfortunately, but that was not why at all. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, it's interesting because, um, you know, I worked full time when my oldest son and middle son were younger. And I always thought, you know, wouldn't I love to just be not just, but to be a stay at home mom. Right didn't have the demands of an outside job and I could focus on writing and just being with my kids. And it, like, I really held that out in my head as that's my dream, right? The dream that we worked towards for quite a while. And when my third son was born, my husband had an opportunity to, um, we, we actually worked together and Mm -hmm. I did management for the place where he worked. We had an opportunity for us both to leave our jobs at the same time. He started his own business. <gasps> Whoa. Like, like when my maternity leave started, we <laughs> left. Our, like, you know, so we're like, look, the, you know, it's all falling into place. This is perfect. It's what uh-huh. we dream of. And I think I lasted about three months and I realized I'm not, I, I'm not someone who just enjoys being home all the time. Right. Really need to have my own thing. And there are so many things associated with that. You feel guilt. Right. That, because it does feel sometimes like saying, my children aren't enough for me. My family's not enough for me. Mm-hmm. And, and then you feel guilt about that because then you think about all the women in the world who don't have that luxury, who don't have right. that choice. And you feel like you're not living in the moment, like you're not appreciating this thing that is a gift. It was a really, it's a, there was a lot of complex stuff tied into it. And I think having that experience, it really, you know, going back to this whole thing of softening, it really did make me see how difficult we can be on ourselves as right, women. Right. Also sort of these underlying things that we hold against other, not hold against, but that we assign to other women right. about their choices. And the reality is we just don't know. We just right. don't right. know. Like and, I, yeah, I totally have some of that when I, you know, like at church or at um, the school or whatever, other women who are stay at home moms. I'm, I definitely in some time, in some cases feel envy for that. And mm-hmm. the thing is that they made their choices. Now, maybe they had a different financial picture. So maybe it, it was a lot easier for them to make that choice. Yeah. But 
in my own life, we could have made choices. We could have stayed in a smaller house. We could have, you know, because my um, we had a business as well. So there was all the insurance. How do you do that without? So I would I worked at a company that provided all of that, which made, gave us more security. But yeah. you know, there were choices we could have made differently. But we chose we wanted a bigger house. We chose we wanted new cars. We chose all those things. And mm-hmm. if we had chosen differently, I could have stayed home. So, you know, I'm not like saying regrets and all those things. But for me, it was about, I just sort of followed the path. And then yeah. I went, wait, wait, did I make a wrong turn somewhere along the way? You know, sometimes you were making choices that you didn't even know you were making. Right. I know. I'm like, wait a minute, I did decide that. And then it comes back to you. I remember sitting down and saying, okay, this will work like this. And then right. I'll do this. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I did do that. And I was really not quite on the mark with that one. Right, right. But it is funny, as someone who's been at home a lot, um, (laughs) you know, I was talking to a friend and I, my friend and I were having coffee and she was talking about that she needed to go back to work and that she was trying to figure out what to do. And I said, it's us and the, like, we are this generation's equivalent of like the old men that just sit at the coffee shop. Like we, <laughs> using, we are using up our retirement right now. You know, like mm-hmm. when people talk about retirement, I'm, you know, almost 40 and I'm getting really geared up to go back to work in a bigger way. Like uh-huh. I'm really excited about my kids getting older so I can do that. And it does feel like we've kind of used up our retirement <laughs> now And even before the whole Roseanne debacle that happened recently, I remember years ago um, in the first Obama campaign, I read an article about Valerie Jarrett. And it was so interesting because it was about how many women, especially in that campaign, I think, Mm -hmm. um, had been stay-at-home or part-time working moms. Mm -hmm. And then as their kids got older, they were able to increase their work profile. Right. um, just what an asset they were because they were women who understood mothering and they had, you know, but they had done all that. Right. And it was sort of like, um, they just flipped the script a little bit on, you know, like they stayed at home and then they went back in a big way instead of, you know, they were really excited about their work right. and really energized and passionate about their work, even in their sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. And they brought so much life experience and so much institutional knowledge. And, it really made me take comfort in knowing it's okay. You know, right. it's, whatever you could, path. Yes. And you can move more slowly and you can enjoy your kids as mm-hmm. much as you can. And that work career, whatever will always be there ready for you to go back to it's well, not as, limited as it once was maybe. Right. And I think all the experiences we have um, in all of our parts of our life, all the things we do, whether it's parenting or, uh, health or work or career or volunteering or whatever, they all build these skills and, and they all increase our wisdom. So wherever we go later in life, we're going to be able to contribute in a new way. I think like when I look at the United States, because uh, that's my frame of reference for the most part, there was this decline in the respect of the older generations and their wisdom. It was like we were forgetting we have all this amazing wisdom. And I think we're coming back around and realizing that again. But there was sort of this like, oh, you know, set that aside. Now they're past their prime. And, and also this belief that, you know, you hit, you hit retirement 62, and you're just done. And in my mind, 
I'm going to like target retiring at 100. And that way I'm going to keep feeling like I have all this room to live and grow and learn and all that along the way rather than like once you say you're done, it almost seems like you start winding down. And I don't want to do that ever. I like ever want to do that. Yeah. And I think we are a different, um, you know, it's like you have this podcast and I mean, we have different things that retiring is not, it's not a finish line. Like, like you were saying, it's, there's so many things that you can continue to do. And it's almost like, great, that part of my working life is over where I'm on someone else's agenda and someone else's clock. Now I get to do work that really feeds me Mm -hmm. way. And that's a gift too. Right. Gift in itself. I know. It's just so much fun. Like I feel so fortunate every day that I have all these um, options for creativity and for enjoying this, the life that I have that I've been given, you know, speaking of podcasting, you also have a podcast, right? Yes, I do. Um, So it's called women in a day podcast. And we started in February. So we do two episodes per month. And it's just different, inspiring women from so many different backgrounds. And um, the idea for it came up years ago. My son, I tell her story all the time, but my son's kindergarten teacher moved her whole family to Germany. Okay. Um, kids were, I think, 11 and 13, and they didn't speak German. Mm-hmm. My husband didn't speak German. Wow. Yeah. And so they all moved. And it was just this crazy thing of, oh, my gosh, you can just do that. You can just pick up. and <laughs> Like, they really did take on this huge adventure. And I was so fascinated by it. So many people we knew were really fascinated by it. And so I really wanted to tell her story about what it was like to to pick up and leave and to just transplant in that way. And so I did an interview with her and then it just sat. I got pregnant with my third son. So uh-huh. it you know, a lot went by the wayside right. as I was being newly pregnant. And it always nags at me. And so I felt like last year... I really was motivated to do something with that idea for a series. And so the first person I went to, um, I kind of made my list of dream guests, people that I knew or you know, knew of through social media. And one of the top people on my list was my friend Portia that I went to high school with. And Portia is, she's so fascinating. She is a police commander. Oh, and she's a roller derby. She she was um, captain of Team USA Women's Roller Derby. A few, it's been a while ago, but she was the captain. And she's just an amazing person. She's really inspiring. So I went to her and said, I have this idea for a series. It was going to just be on my website. Mm-hmm. Can I interview you? And she said, you know, I love that idea, but it should really be a podcast. And I thought about it and said, it probably should, but I would never do that on my own. Mm-hmm. She is so like when she gets into something, she is just all in. And she was like, it's going to be great. Can I do it with you? Uh Oh, how exciting. But it it was so fascinating to see how this idea that had just that I'd kind of been tinkering around with for years, it took someone else Mm -hmm. coming in and saying, you're thinking too small. Let's make it bigger Uh and let's do it together. And it was just like, yes. And so I think that was in October. And we were, you know, we had, and so, I mean, within a week, we had a list of so many different women that we wanted to speak with. Mm. And we were up and running by February, you know, everything, just all the things that had felt like such huge hurdles for me, um, they just fell into place. And our first (laughs) guest was a woman that I know who is a shaman 
and I guess you could say a psychic, but uh-huh. she's fascinating. And she has talked a lot about synchronicity and how sometimes we push and push and push to make something happen. And really it just needs time to percolate, you know, it just needs to marinate. And then when it's ready, it's ready. So when we had this idea for the podcast, you know, we met someone really quickly that knew an editor and then we, you know, and he was like, no, 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 I'll take over and I'll do this and this for you. And it's just this lovely guy. And Hmm. it, everything really felt very easy. And it's just, it's been great. It's been really interesting. It's something that I, I mean, you seem so relaxed doing it and I always feel like the technology uh-huh. and there's so much leading up to it that I really struggle with. Uh-huh. Um, but I love meeting these women and just hearing their stories. And so often it's funny because if I'm going through something or if I'm thinking about something, we'll do an interview and that person will speak on something that gives me clarity or and it's what it is. It's like, I get so much from it. I totally know what you mean. I mean, this is, I mean, we can, we're on video as well. So we can see each other, which is kind of fun. I'm not always on video with, um, with the recordings. But it's like, I have this, it fills me with light when I do these conversations. And because I feel like it's just hearing people talk about their passion and what they love in their life is just, it emanates and I get filled with it. And um, it's like a high. Afterwards, I'll be like, ah, all day long. <laughs> yeah. And then, you you know, you learn different things. It's just, it's right. so fascinating. And yeah, and so, I mean, we've had women and it's interesting because Portia is very much more in um, the professional world mm-hmm. of public service and all those things. Um, you know, and I'm in a different realm so we come to each other with totally different ideas for people uh, that we're going to interview. And, uh-huh. and yet it always works out. Um, and it just, it is, it's, it's been a huge gift and it's fun to see it grow. And um, it's been interesting too, because you have boys. So I think you can understand Portia, my podcast partner has um, five sons. She's part of a blended family. Oh, and my her gosh. Partner, <laughs> interestingly enough, her partner was actually my son's, my my middle son's midwife. Wow. And, yeah. And then they met. <laughs> Trying that. to add that all up. I'm like I know, I know. looking so in the sky for the picture of that. <laughs> in a very boy-heavy world. Right. And something that we both talk a lot about is, you know, there's, it's a great moment for reigniting feminism and letting younger girls reshape what feminism looks like to them and how they carry themselves in the world and what their expectations are. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so exciting to see that happening. Mm -hmm. I just love it. And then I also think, as I'm sure you do too, where do boys fit in this? Mm -hmm. Boys and men fit into this. And so I love getting to do the podcast, my oldest son, who's 12, he does like our website content. So he, you know, writes the interviews out and does the pictures. Really? And, yeah. Wow. And it's, you know, because he's like getting more into wanting to know how internet things work and all of that. So it's been a really great way to sort of start that dialogue with him and to just talk to my sons about why it's important to be sharing women's stories and mm-hmm. and what that's like for them and they'll come up with ideas of well I think some of the girls in my class would really like to listen to someone talk about this or 
And it's just, it's been really fascinating. And we had one guest that I love. Okay. So you'll really have to keep this straight. Um, born a man named Michael, Mm -hmm. the only black family. He was adopted by a black family. They moved to, I think somewhere in Nebraska, Nebraska, rural Nebraska, the only black family, the only black kid at school, Mm -hmm. um, went on to the army, became a police officer, was married, had children, the whole thing, rose the ranks and then transitioned to being a woman. So her name is now Rachel Esters Mm -hmm. to do an interview with her about what it was like to, to be first, the only black child, the only black, and then the only black officer, you know, um, higher up officer in the police force and then become the first black woman. Mm -hmm. Her insight was so fascinating because she said once she was living herself as a woman, Mm -hmm. she could see all the ways big and small that women were excluded from conversations and decisions the way that, um, you know, when she would come up with an idea that seemed ambitious and she would bring it to her superiors as a man, we mm-hmm. usually bought into it very quickly. And when she would bring up similar ideas after her transition, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, well, you know, we need to think about that. We're going to need to gather some more information. Who else have you talked to about this? Who is helping you with this? Um, you know, wow. just little things like being excluded from being asked to join people for lunch. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. Like it's hard to even imagine that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how cool to have, how often do you get to have different perspectives like that? You know, to really see it. I mean, interesting. It'd be an interesting experience experiment to go the other way to just like fully dress like a man, go through the world for a day as a man and see like if it were like people wouldn't question it, like, oh, yeah, there's a man and see how you be how things would change. You know, I, and I was a, a bit of a tomboy growing up, mm-hmm. not in an athletic sense, but mm-hmm. just I liked physical things. I liked being outside. And so I have a pretty high tolerance for that. Right. Uh, but even then, you know, my husband is definitely more laid back. He's not as hardcore masculine, I uh-huh. guess, say. But even then, there are some days that, you know, we have a soccer tournament and then we're going to go home and we're going to watch this game and then let's go outside and let's, you know, go mountain biking. And then, Uh you know, there are some days that I'm just like, where do I fit into this? And I think that's really made me see if I want, I could be really resentful about this or I could do what I think a lot of women do where they just say I'm having, you know, me time and I'm going out with my girlfriends right. and if I don't, I don't want to give that up. I want to share in my kids world and share their lives, mm-hmm. but I also want them to grow up understanding the things that I like too. Right. Even though there are times that I feel like, yes, we're going to the art museum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And all the eyes roll. I get it. <laughs> the thing is, it's always fine once you get there. Yeah. And I have some pretty frank conversations with them about, you know, I do a lot for you to be a part of the things that you love. And I've learned a lot about things that you love and I support you in that. And I really do enjoy it. But think how you would feel mm-hmm. if you lived in a family where you were the only one who liked or, you know, you would everybody else liked soccer and you didn't think how you would feel. Right. 
you would probably get a little annoyed. You would feel left out sometimes mm-hmm. if that's what every conversation was about at dinner and you know, and I always joke with, we have a lot of friends who have all daughters. Mm-hmm. I always joke with the dads that we could do a, a trade, like, a spouse swap. <laughs> I, I do the same thing with my best friend. She has two girls. I have two boys. I'm like, I say to her husband, I'm like, Hey, should we just like swap it up? Like for uh, two years? <laughs> I know. I, I always joke. I should put an ad on Craigslist. Like you have Barbies whose hair needs brushing, bring them over. I know it would, <laughs> it wouldn't read very well. <laughs> I know you're right. A little creepy. It was a little creepy, but, but it just feels like that sometimes. Like I would just love to see what that's like. Right. But I mean, I've learned things like how to ATV and jet ski and go fishing and, you know, all these outdoorsy things to be part of that. Lots of every sport that my sons have played, I go to and, um, you know, try to be as active as I can in everything that they do. But it is, I just sometimes want someone to understand me a little bit. And, you know, I think growing up, I was always a really hypersensitive kid. Me too. Um, Yeah. And I grew up with a lot of, I guess I would say broken men, Mm -hmm. you know, men who, just never ever found a place that felt comfortable for them in the world. And, you know, I always knew that I wanted to have kids, Uh but I didn't really think of it like dressing them and naming them. I always sort of imagined getting a chance to have a bit of a redo and what, what, you know, I think it suits me, but I know in my heart of hearts, it suits me very well to have boys because Mm -hmm. I think, I have a knowledge of what it's like to be a man mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't get what you need, who is told to toughen up, shake it off, and you don't have the tools. You don't have the tools to have compassion. You don't have the tools to have empathy. Mm-hmm. And and you're just supposed to conform. Like, I've seen what that does. Right. And I just feel really committed that, that it can be a different way, and it's up to us to teach boys that it can be a different way and to give them permission mm-hmm. to be masculine and physical if they choose to. Right. Also the permission and the space to just say, you know, there's a whole range of emotions that we have as humans and those are all available to you. Right. Right. Cause do you, you know, this is a, one of my biggest struggles now. I think I've learned a lot more over the last couple of years of how to, be more of a, a coach to them versus nurture, you know, like a mom, like trying to like uh, clear the runway for everything. Instead, I'm like, let's go through the obstacle. Let's figure out how to get around the obstacle. What's the big, what's the next hurdle, you know, versus let me take care of all that. You don't have to, you know, that's what, I, that's how I raised them initially was let me clear the runway for everything, which, you know, for my poor older son did not help him develop skills that he, you know, are useful as an adult. But he's getting there. But I, if I would have given him more of that experience earlier, it would have been better for him. So the younger one, I, you know, he's getting the hard road. <laughs> I'm like, yep, there's hard. the obstacle. No, but I do think, you know, we're seeing kind of the effects of um, what we've always thought of as, you know, helicopter parenting. Right. And it, it makes so much sense. You have this little child and you're responsible for them. And how could being involved in everything be wrong? You know, it, like right. there's so much, it, there's so much logic to that. Um, but it is, it's just, and I think, I don't know. I, I 
think I went a different way from the beginning because my oldest son is a hyper independent person. Mm -hmm. And so I think he just wouldn't let me, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think had that option been more available to me that definitely, cause I wanted to be there for all that. And I wanted to really be in it. And he was just like, no, I've got this. Like, right. that's awesome. It is. And so that really opened me up mm-hmm. to having a different parenting experience. And then my middle son was like this super, super clingy, clingy, very nervous, got you know he's just like a born empath uh-huh. and I kind of got to experience a little bit of that but I had already been parenting in a more sort of hands-off way mm-hmm. I guess right when it comes to a lot of those things and that's just continued that's good it's, you know and it's like my sons now are in competitive sports and they do um like evaluations and when it's time for those and they say, well, what are you going to talk about? You know, we're very much like, we're not talking about anything because this is your evaluation. Uh-huh. And if you have things that you want to bring up, then that's for you to do. This is your gig. And just putting that expectation on them, like you should be able to, to speak for yourself and mm-hmm. add for yourself. And if you have a problem with a teacher or a friend, right, feel comfortable going into that conversation, being willing to have that conversation and how can we help you get there? Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I think it's, we've given kids very mixed messages about you can have this $500 phone right, <laughs> and be, you know, be talking to strangers, but you can't have a, com- a tough conversation with a friend if they hurt your feelings or, you know, if you don't understand why you got a grade or why you got in trouble with a teacher you don't have the skills to just say why, what, like what happened there or you hurt my feelings. And I think we really need to think about what skills we're giving kids as we send them out into the world. I think they, I think they learn more than we realize and they're ready more than we realize. And it's a matter of just like letting go of the reins a little bit more and just letting them do the thing. And that's what I've learned to do. But what one thing I wonder if you're struggling with or think about a lot that I do is, I want them to be strong, confident men and know who they are. And and I really what I want them to be is strong, confident humans and have this like ability when they need to, to step up and whether it's protect or defend or uh, whatever that is, you know what I mean? Be firm in their belief and at the same time, be able to be vulnerable and say, I'm scared about this or I'm afraid of that or that hurt me. How do we raise these young men into adult men that can feel like I can be as tough as I want to be, but I also can be as soft as I want to be? It's, it's so tricky. To, I think for us, one thing that worked, we started early on, like when they would have little sibling disagreements, because mm-hmm. you know, my first two, they're like four years apart. So, and they have a lot of the same interests, very different personalities, but there is overlap mm-hmm. in what like to do. So they definitely can, can butt heads. But when one of them would say, he's not doing this, or he is doing this, right. tell him not to, we would always say your words are just as powerful as mine. Mm-hmm. You need to go try this first. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, so, if the same thing would happen at school, so and so did this, and this kid, I always have to stand by him in line, and he's a pusher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
like one day I'm, and I could, my kids would tell me tomorrow when he pushes me, I'm just going to push him back. Uh-huh. And we, but have you told him you may not push me? And they would say, well, that's not going to work. And it's like, if you stand up tall and if you right. believe that your words have power, then you say, you may not push me. And they say, well, what, what happens when that doesn't work? Then that's when you need to get a teacher involved. Mm-hmm. Because this per- it's not that your words aren't powerful. It's that this person doesn't respect your, your feelings, your face. Right. And that's not your issue right. to sort out. You know, it's like, it's then that's kind of beyond you. This right. kid is likely going to push whoever they stand by in line. Right. If they can't respect your words, they're not going to respect hers or hers or his. And that's a job for a teacher or an adult. And so that's always where we tried to start was just, you know, you have power in every mm-hmm. situation. You have ideas. You have um, you know, you have control of this situation. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've been working on a lot is, um, you know, we talked about my kids being in competitive sports and it really, as someone who did not do that, mm-hmm. I really had and still have reservations about kids in competitive sports, especially boys, because mm-hmm. there is sort of this bizarre expectation that, it should be different somehow than Boy Scouts or school where you have a different expectation for the authority figure mm-hmm. that always sat well with me. And I think it, again, gives boys a really bad message about being when to be tough. You know, it's like it's not tough. It doesn't make you a tough person to get hurt badly and keep playing. Like that's not what the definition of tough should be. Right. Tough should be resiliency. Tough should be, you know, like not quitting. It, like there's all these other definitions of tough. So I've really been thinking a lot about how to bring a lot of integrity and just sort of um, humanity, I guess, back to kids' competitive sports mm-hmm. and how to use that as a tool to do just what you said with boys, especially. Um mm-hmm show them how to be strong, how to be competitive if they choose to be, mm-hmm. but to know when it's appropriate to be competitive. You know, right. like you, you don't have to be the best at everything. You don't have to, if you are a fast runner, you don't have to show off by beating your younger brother at running. Like, of course you're going to beat him. He's four years younger than you. Right. <laughs> right. Does not make you a strong <laughs> athlete. Right. It's really teaching them when it's appropriate to, to be that person. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about, you know, about that a lot with our sons of, we know we tell you to be really nice and we know we tell you to not be aggressive. Here is the place for you to step into that role. And we use that term a lot. Like this is the time to step into that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just sort of getting them used to that idea of just as women, we do that all the time. Mm-hmm here is the place for a woman to step in and be really nurturing with her children. But here is the place for a woman to say like, Nope, I have work to do. I have some emails to send. I'm right. working right now. We do that a lot. Right. So how can we give that same skill set to men? Because they are often not given that. Right. They're one role all the time. Be this all the time. Yeah. It's like one speed. And that's not, that's not a sustainable way to mm-hmm. be an empathetic person in the world. Right. 
So it really is like, you know, just saying what, and whatever your child is interested in, you know, if they're interested in theater, this is the place to be very dramatic. This is the place right. to <laughs> not, not every breakfast, not every time we're having breakfast. <laughs> like you've been preparing your whole life for this opportunity. Now is the time to unleash it on the world and then be inhuman with us. But it really is sort of like, I think it's just teaching kids and I, you know, I speak about it in terms of boys, but just saying, go out there, be aggressive, be, you know, like be big, be tough, be whatever mm-hmm. this place to do that. And right. then, when, and then when you're done, then you're done. Right. Um, you know, I love how much you talk with your kids. You know what I mean? I think I do a lot more of that now the last few years, but I don't think I did as much of that. I was just running on, you know, high gear all the time myself. And I think that's the biggest thing that I don't know if you had to go through this period of transition as well. But for me, the biggest change as a parent was realizing if I didn't start taking care of myself, it was going to continue to derail because I just was not taking care of myself. And now that I have made that the top priority, it's it's changed everything, our relationships, um, how I show up, when I will do things for them, when I think, you know what, you've got this, this is your responsibility, not mine. Yeah. Um, and being able to say that rather than just go, oh, I'll just do it because there's no extra time. You know, I don't want to deal with the fallout and all that stuff. I think, yeah, I think it's really easy to just say, I'll just do this and right. and resentment builds. Right. And you think that's what hardens us. Right, right. <laughs> and I don't like being in that place at no, all. And I- when my husband started traveling a lot, it was very challenging for me because I felt like, you know, we now have three kids and you get, I always, uh-huh. said, you get to go here and do this. And, and I could feel it. I could, I could feel it like a calcifying, you uh, know, right. Starting to happen. And so for a long time, that was my mantra of just, I will not let this experience harden me. I just won't, right. you know, don't want it. I don't want to give any situation the power to do that. And I see it a lot, you know, with mom friends and women that I know and whatever it is, whether it's a divorce, you know, it's like the ending of things. Mm -hmm. It can be very hard. It's like having a parent, an adult parent who is not well and you have to suddenly make tough decisions or you have disagreements about what it should look like. It can, I mean, it can really just make you, hard. And I, I just have a lot of compassion for those right. situations. Yeah, me too. And I think I've gone through a number of those and it's been, each one of them is so insightful. Like it gives me so much insight for the future and for who I want to be day to day showing up. So that's the goodness about life, right? That we just keep learning all these little bits and bits. And I, But I do love how you're sharing them. I think what you're putting out in the world through your blog I mean, if you, for the listeners, if they haven't gone out, I mean, I would really encourage you to go read because I read more last night and again today. And um, like the one about the feather in the cap, mm-hmm. such a great story. I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about it though. We're going to let them have to go read it. So um, why don't we tell people where to find you and your podcast and your website? So our podcast is uh, womeninadaypodcast.com. And that's also our Instagram account, Women in a Day. Um, and my blog is theraisingirls.com and I'm also on Instagram at theraisingirls. 
And yeah, I would, I, it's been such a great time speaking with you. And oh, same here. This has been really fun. I, it's always the hardest thing for me to wrap it because I'm always enjoying it so much, like <laughs> just uh, sharing and learning. And I think you've shared so much with everybody today about raising boys. That's going to be like just raising children, but especially boys that will hopefully inspire others to think about it as well. And I can't wait to go load your podcast into my list and just like binge on it because I bet I'm going to be going, I, I will say it right now. I'll probably be reaching out to some of your guests to ask them to come on over to glistening particles. So be forewarned. definitely start with episode one, Paula Girardi, or I'm sorry, Paula Elizabeth. Okay. Uh, but that really kind of sets the tone and it's just, it's one that I have found myself going back to when I need to talk and when I'm in a challenging moment, it's a great one. She's just, it's, it really is like balm for your soul. It's Aww. just, it's a great that's, thing. That's a great term, balm for your soul. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Well, thank you again. And hopefully we'll keep in touch, you know. Um, yes. I would love to do that. Um, and I'd like to actually chat with Portia sometime. Sounds like she's Absolutely a should. pretty interesting character too. Yes. Well, Thank you again, Jenny, so much. This was like an absolute, I'm like, just like in that like zone of I could do this all day. (laughs) I'm so glad it worked out. Thank you, Jane. Take care. All right. Bye. Well, I definitely had a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kindred spirit feeling with Jenny because I'm a mother of boys. She's a mother of boys. She likes to write for creativity and talk. I like to write and talk. So we had this sort of like cool vibe going on. Uh, But what really kind of stuck with me after we had the conversation and later when I listened back was how she was ignited to really open up in that way again after the election and really share what it's like to be a woman in the the United States, for sure, a mother, um, you know, a caretaker and a woman and all those things. And I really applaud her for doing that. And her conviction of doing that reminds me to keep doing what I'm doing. And the main thing is just helping people understand each other, like that we all understand each other. And I hope you keep listening. We have so many more uh, exciting episodes being recorded right now as we speak. So looking forward to talking again. Take care, everyone. Until next week. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.